All right, now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere, they're overcoming challenges in these new times, thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our communities. Because they know that where you shop matters, Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growl and Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Jay, what's up? Doing well. Feeling refreshed after a weekend off. That's that's the one benefit of those Thursday games is you kind of get that rare weekend, uh, kind of do what you want. I enjoyed what I always enjoy watching Red Zone app because it's like the one thing we don't get to do when you cover the team. You're just you're in the game and the game ends and you you sort of you're into your work and you, you don't really get that enjoyable experience of sitting back watching Red Zone Channel and watching all the games at the same time. And I always it's it's the thing I miss most when you are on the NFL beat. Uh, so I always anytime we get a chance with a Sunday off, I love to just watch Red Zone, especially the end of the one o'clocks, watch all the games come down to the wire. And no no shortage of uh News or excitement coming from this weekend's game. Goodness gracious. Everyone's hurt, by the way, in case you need an update. Everyone. I don't think I've ever seen a week like that in the in yeah. the league. You you they, they injuries kind of go there that you have a rash of a rash of them every now and then, but that was unreal. And really, I mean, you wonder if it is related to the the lack of preseason. Why didn't it happen in week one? Why did it maybe maybe the stress of the week one resulted in the the eventual tears and pools and everything in week two i don't know but uh that 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 was really strange that was one of the things i i didn't do red zone i I went old school and went to a bar and watched uh, with some friends and you know you're just snapping your head around from tv to tv watching all the different games and it was just you know who's down now who's down now it was and it wasn't it wasn't the the number of entries it was the injuries it was the significant players like yeah. these stars that are going down right and left it was I, i've never seen anything like it Bengals arguably one of the healthier teams in the league they lose cj uzama to the achilles injury which we assumed was going to be the case when we last talked after the game um at the walkout but um, so he's out for the year. Mason Shrek is up and, uh, you know, they'll you'll see expanded role for Drew Sample, probably more of your three wide receiver sets, if that's possible, four wide, five wide, uh, more utilizing the receivers and 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 just, a, you know, it's going to be a lot of the Drew Sample show as far as tight ends go. But, you know, they through two weeks and everybody knocks on wood, I mean, have been one of the healthier teams in terms of keeping your stars healthy. Um, when you look at what's happening around the rest of the league, including where they're going to go this weekend, where Philly has been absolutely beset by injuries as well, been playing terrible football, partially because of it, partially because you kind of wondering if maybe they're not that good. Um, and there's a lot to get to there. We want to get to a lot before we do. I want to remind you, uh, we have a bunch of stuff up uh, on The Athletic right now. Uh, I have a story up about all this string of one possession losses and how the first two games this 
year looked very similar to the 10 uh, or the eight from last year, which it now makes 10 oh and 10 and one score games for, uh, for Zach Taylor. I have a story about that. Um, Jay's got final thoughts. We have lots of stuff up on the offensive line, whatever more coming. Plus our Reds coverage is uh, an overdrive. Me and Jay and Justin Williams all hopping in on some red stuff as they hit a huge week. Um, trying to make their playoff push right now. Um, and all across every sport, $1, Jay, $1 per month special going right now. This is crazy sales. Crazy. <laughs> Bye now. Uh, $1, though. Just go to uh, theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling. No G at the end. Hear that podcast growling. And just go right there. Hit the link and subscribe. $1 per month offer for you uh we'd love to have love to have you on board and we trust me we will make it worth it uh a lot of stuff to get to critical crossroads i think for this team coming up i have a, the most important stat that nobody is talking about and i don't know why we got a bunch of stats to get into of course well if we have stats you know jay's got them um and then we have a, a run passer boot from a follower listener that i really liked and another one about uh, one of the stories that we just wrote. Plenty to get to here. Let's dive in. Let's start where everyone's talking about, right? Offensive line. So we knew going into this year that this was going to be the question. This was going to be the wide spectrum of possible results from, hey, this could be this line could be pretty good, so they could be another unmitigated disaster. Through two games, where would you – place them on that spectrum if you had to uh, phrase it jay i wouldn't go all the way to unmitigated disaster but it's definitely closer to that than than the the positive side of things um you saw how much joe got joe burrow got hit in the opener and you you were wondering if they could keep it to that or less against cleveland and it went it went the other way i'm dropping back 61 times um well, he only got sacked three times, but what was it? Seven more hits in that. Well, I mean, here's the here. I'm glad you mentioned this. I want to set this straight before we go into it, because there is every different possible way, because there's so many different people that try to judge these things on what is a pressure, what is a hit, what is a hurry, what is a whatever. All right, I, I, I'm I, enough with it. There's next-gen stats and PFF and the game books, and everybody judges these things differently, right? And they've got their number and their name for it and what it is. I did my own, okay? I watched the All-22, and I got three. I put it in three categories from what happened on Thursday. There were three different types of hits that I judged. There was a weak hit, which barely counts, tapping him on the shoulder maybe, not hardly anything at all. Basically, Noke doesn't count, but did touch him. There's an ouch, and there's a goddamn, okay? <laughs> and those, to me, are the important categories. How many ouches and how many goddams uh, do you end up with? And in Thursday's game, there were a total of 21 of those three categories, and that's where the 21 pressures number uh, that Next Gen Stats put out and has settled on is out there. But, you know, we're talking 11 of those are of the weak variety. Touch the shoulder pad on the way past after the ball's out. But it is, you know, here it comes. He has to get rid of it because there's a guy nearby who's going to who touches him. There were five ouches 
and five goddamns. And then two hits on runs, which weren't awful, but he's running and he took a hit like a runner would. That's a lot. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, we, we get so much so boggled down by the advanced analytics. I want to know how many times Joe Burrow took hits that could hurt him. And five goddamns is a lot. And add five ouches, and you, you know, you. It's it's too it's too much and quarterbacks take hits in this league like lots of them do, but you can't be up at ten real hits. You can't be up at ten real hits, and that's to me that's the problematic number. People get obsessed with everything else. That's what this is about. It's about those ten, and that has to do with the fact that there were sixty one dropbacks. But those ten, I mean that that number has to be five. Yeah, what least, it reminds. I said, what it reminded me of is, is the last time they were in primetime, that, that Monday night game in Pittsburgh last year when Andy Dalton just, uh, it was, there were a couple of times when you wondered if he was going to get up. Uh, that was never the case with Joe. He never took that. I mean, there, there were, you, like you said, the, the five goddamn hits, but it was never one of those ones where he was like laying prone on the turf and you're wondering if he's still breathing like it was with Andy a couple of times. And that is, it's way too much because you, this is week two. That was week four. It was early in the season as well. But you you start seeing this is two weeks in a row where he's really taken a pretty severe beating. And you, you talk about rookie walls. You talk about just the accumulation of, of those kind of shots. It's It, it cannot go on all year. And it, you're, you're starting to wonder, how is it not going to go on all year? Where How do they fix this with the personnel they have? Yeah, and that, so that's where we got to go next with this, right? I mean, is is does it need change? You know, Zach Taylor says it's all on the table. Certain what one thing that we have learned from Jim Turner is he's kind of not afraid to rotate. We saw that, you know, in what I think we suspected was the might happen was Fred Johnson getting his shot at guard after Billy Price received mad reviews from his taking over for Xavier Suofilo in the opener. It did not go well for Fred Johnson. Like I don't really know what else to say about it. It was bad. He was he hit him, and then Michael Jordan didn't have a great day either. Were the biggest perpetrators of the issues. Everybody had a role in it at one point or the other. But if you're looking for consistent things that caused some of those ouchies and the goddamnies, I mean, those were a lot of those came from the guard play and Fred Johnson in particular. I will say this. And this is an unpopular thing to say. Bobby Hart didn't play that bad uh, on Thursday. He he has the the bad moment where the like stunt with Fred Johnson turn blows up on his face and he looks like a goof when Burrow gets destroyed on the strip sack. Right, like awful play. Can't have it. Um, need, need work there. But he he was basically head up with Miles Garrett almost all night long, and he did a decent job holding his own. Considering who he is and considering who Miles Garrett is, um, I'll give him some credit there. I will. And he had a bad opener um, with the six pressures in the sack and whatever. And But I don't think it. Uh, people want to just yell his name because they're used to yelling his name. I he, he actually didn't play terrible on Thursday. That doesn't mean he won't going forward, but. You know, but it's 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 elsewhere, and that's the problem. Is if it's one week one guy and another week the other guy and another week this guy, I 
to me, that's worse. I'd rather just have one issue and you can just keep one person and you can keep trying different people there. You know, the fact that the guard play was the issue this time, what's it going to be next time? You know, I mean, that's, there's no, there's nobody they're going to pull off the bench. Is it going to be Hakeem Adeniji next? Maybe. He, but he has not gotten, he didn't get in at all in the opener and he, I think he played a couple special team snaps in Cleveland. Um, I think he had one snap as a like a extra big tight extra, end type or something uh, in, in Cleveland. But that's it. it did. I mean, what I saw, they they helped Bobby a little bit more in this game than they did against the Chargers. And there was, I didn't go back and watch it like you did, but or you know, watch specifically for that. But there was at least one play and there might've been two that I remember where drew sample was lined up on Bobby's side and ended up one-on-one with Garrett and held his own really did a good job in, in holding him off. Um, but I, I wonder <laughs> in your grading system, do you remember the play? There was about 10 and a half minutes left in the game and uh, Jonah was blocking miles Garrett and the, yep. the Browns had a free runner coming on a blitz and Jonah yeah. came off and just what would, where would that, would that have been? Would that have been another level? Would that have been a goddamn, or would that have been (laughs) that would have been a? Well, you just have one just for like knocked him out of game. I mean, that was if Jonah doesn't get a piece of that guy and it's just a straight to the back shot. It's the uh, it's Andy Dalton laying on the uh, yeah. It's it's Andy Dalton laying on the the Heinz Field turf. Is you know, I mean, it's that's where that ends up. I mean that that was an impressive play. I I missed that live. That's one of the things that. in, in Cleveland, for whatever, I don't know if COVID cutbacks or what, there was very few replays in Cleveland. That was one of the most frustrating things. I went to the game thinking there is an advantage. You see things in person that you you don't see when you're watching on the TV copy. And I, I think people watching on TV might have had actually a, a better advantage in that game because I totally missed that play happening. I was looking downfield at the receivers because he had – Joe Burrow had Tyler Boyd wide open on that play, but it just the the way that that rush came and it broke down so fast, he didn't get a chance to see him. But yeah, that I mean that go, seeing that clip afterward, it was just that was that was disaster of that that saved a disaster of the two, 2020 season because that that could have really been bad for Joe Burrow. Jonah Williams also responsible for one of the biggest hits on Burrow uh, all night where he kind of whiffed on Miles Garrett on what ended up being the Tyler Boyd drop uh, and and took a uh, took a goddamn on that one. And, you know, that that's that type of stuff happens. Uh, you know, you, 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 you love that. You're OK with it. And you're talking about Joe Burrow's toughness more if, if Boyd catches that. And it's a different thing. But let's let's move forward to how they fix. It. I mean, let's talk about what goes next. I mean, to me. To me, you've got to you got to do something other than Fred Johnson at right guard. I think it starts there. Whether it's bringing Billy Price back uh, and giving him another shot, because maybe he was uh, fine, okay, as was said by both the head coach and the offensive coordinator after the opener, but better than oh liability, right? Which is what Fred Johnson was like. If we learned anything from that, it you know, I think that was it. Um, and so maybe it's that. Maybe it's well. It, We'll see what Akeem Adeniji can do going in there if, if you if you want to try it. Now, let's also remember Fletcher Cox is on the Eagles. <laughs> Who might, I mean, for my money, might be the best uh, interior lineman in football uh, outside of number 99 in L.A. I mean, I think, 
you've got, you, you, you know, I, 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 I would be absolutely frightened uh, to, to have to take him on. And they're going to, you know, he's going to be sitting right there over whoever they decide to put at right guard considering the problems they've had there. So, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is there, but I know that there's trouble. And, you know, there's just, there's not a lot of places to go until Xavier Suofilo gets back. Um, everybody's got to play better. I, I, I don't suspect any change at right tackle at all. Um, and I think, I think there's some sense of, you know, Bobby Hart did, did fine against Miles Garrett and held his own to his own respect against Miles Garrett. And, you know, what are they going to do? Put Fred Johnson out there at tackle after he showed that at guard. I mean, maybe he'd be better at tackle. Maybe he's better fit for tackle. He did certainly played better at tackle last year when he played, um, so maybe that's part of it, but I, you know, they're not gonna. After that, he didn't earn anything to go take away Bobby Hart's job for whatever that does for you. So as far as changing, Michael Jordan ain't coming out. Trey Hopkins ain't coming out. Jonah Williams ain't coming out. It's, it's just a matter of what they're gonna do at that right guard spot for for what's gonna happen next. And so we'll wait to see what that looks like. You know, you said you don't know what they're gonna do. I don't think they know what they're gonna do. And, yeah. and we saw that when on, on Monday they they brought Alex Redman back on the practice mm-hmm. squad and he was a guy that when when they released him at cut down day i i thought okay he'll be back on the practice squad and he and alex tweeted out that it looks like my time in cincinnati is done where they must have told him you know we're going to move on and now two weeks into the season they're like well maybe we need to bring this guy back because they don't have an answer and i don't think shaq calhoun who they claimed off of waivers after cut down day is he's too young i don't think he's ready to step into that role it is it they are they are in a bad spot and they're just going to be treading water until Xavier Suafilo gets back. Um, I I wouldn't rule out Redmond being one of those guys that they they pull up on on Sunday when they can pull the two up off the practice squad and just have another guy in there so that if the if the disaster continues they they just throw their hands up and say we we got to try something to get somebody in there. I mean. I guess Redmond has played in the NFL before and had decent moments, so maybe that's what you're going for. If he's healthy, uh, you know, if you feel like he's healthy enough, he can do it. Then maybe you're you're saying, well, at least he's going to be better than what we've seen. Whatever that does for you, I mean, I don't know. The Bengals have told me for years the guards don't matter, and they're trying to prove it out here. <laughs> you know, so I guess that's what this is. Um, Seem to be mattering quite a bit to Joe Burrow and, and this offense. All right, we'll take a quick break. Talk to you about Fubo TV. They've got all kinds of different plans for you. If you want to, you're trying to cut the cord, but you still want to watch all your sports and everything else. They have a family plan where three people can watch at once, or just their, their standard base plan with two at once. It's, but it's 15 percent off the first month right now. Plus, you get 30 hours of DVR. Watch all the old Bengals L's that you want. You still get your local broadcasts. And I know times are tough, so if, if you're looking for a way to save money, $50 is more affordable than your cable providers. It includes NBC Sports. If you're looking for the national feed, but look, with the NFL season around, r- around right now, you need to go into Fubo TV. It will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. Go to FuboTV.com slash athletic. Today, get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your, with your first month today. 
look, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves or avoid it altogether with excuses or, sorry, honey, I'm not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. Simple, safe, totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If that's medication, then Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Whole process is straightforward, simple, discreet. Getting started is simple too. Just go to getroman.com slash here, H-E-A-R, here, and complete an online visit. Rectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today, connect with a healthcare professional, take care of it. I I do want to point out a, a few stats here. And Jay, I know you like that. Love and you've it. Got, you've got. I'm sure you've got a few of your own. But the Bengals have moved the ball. It has been through the air. They have not really gotten the running game going very well against either team, the Chargers or the Browns. But they rank 16th in the NFL in uh, score percentage on drives, drive, you know, drive success. Now, red zone has hurt them. They've been unable to push it into the end zone, so they're twenty seventh in touchdown percentage on on their on their drives, which is not great. But you know they're moving the ball; they're not getting enough for it. I mean, it goes back. I mean, it's the same problem. The red zone stuff last year, like they've got to they've got to finish these drives. Tyler Boyd has to make that catch. Maybe try a a sneak from the one inch line instead of running away from the goal line. You know, they but they just have to do things. They have to find ways to get the ball into the end zone when they get down there because they are moving the ball, but through two games it feels like they're just not getting the most out of a lot of successes. Between the 20s they're having successes, they're moving it. They're, you know, Joe Burrow has been great on fourth downs and and even on third down. He, he they have really moved the ball, but they've just been unable to punch it in consistently. And you know they, that's a part of, it. but still, they the fact that they're 16th in, in in scoring on drives, the offense is having some success. And we we sitting here and we're we're you know we can rip the offensive line all they want. They're doing enough. They're giving enough clean packet pockets. And there was a lot of clean pockets. There was a lot of clean pockets for Joe Burrow, which brings up some other issues um, that they've been able to move the ball on. And I think that is a, a number that matters um, to me, at least. Um, it's taking them forever is the thing. They're tied with Green Bay for the most average plays per drive, which Green Bay, by the way, has the most like points. So there's a reason they're having a lot of plays. The Bengals have a lot of plays because all their drives take like 14 plays because it's it's four yards here, three yards here, five. I mean, there's no explosion in the Bengals' offense right now. And that brings me to the most important stat, that nobody is talking about, or they should be, or if they are, I'm not listening to them, which is possible. I don't always listen. But Joe Burrow, amongst all NFL quarterbacks, is dead last in yards per attempt. To me, that's always, you know, adjusted yards per attempt, a little more important for me. You know, I if we get into, like, the minutia of statism, um, where you put a little more... You know, there's some emphasis on interceptions and and touchdown passes that added in, which he's still towards the bottom. But yards per attempt, five point two five. Um, only Sam Darnold has less than six 
Sam Darnold at 5.8. Carson Wentz at 6.02 is next up. Battle of inefficient quarterbacks on Sunday, which is good, good for the Bengals, I guess. That There is no explosion on the, in the Bengals' offense right now. It is this. Part of that is offensive line and maybe not, not having the comfort to protect all those weak hits that I discussed earlier. The ball has to come out a touch earlier than you would, and you're not taking that extra look downfield. Inability to connect downfield has been a major issue. Joe Burrow now one of 12 on passes more than 20 yards in the air, and there's a lot of reasons for that that we can get into. But the bottom line is you can't live having to make long drives and gaining four or five yards every time you throw it. You've got to be getting be more efficient in your passing game. And there's a lot of factors in that. But to me, that is the sign that they are not getting enough out of this passing game right now. Even the success that they're having, it's just taking too long. They have to start finding more explosion in it, and they just they just haven't to this point. Yeah, and there's a couple things. that They're, they're last in the league in, in yards on first down, 3.57. In the AFC, the Chargers are next worst, and they have more than a yard. They're, they're at 4.62, I think it was. They're more than a yard than what the Bengals are getting. So you're already behind the chains, and, and you're you're just trying to get back a little chunk at a time to make it make third down manage more manageable. The other thing they they had those shots in the opener, and he had AJ Green running open. He had John Ross running open. We've talked about these where he missed those. Uh, those would have. Certainly, his his yards per attempt would have been much better in that game. He hit those. The Cleveland game was a little different because they were they were so far behind, and it's you. It's such a cliche, but it's so true as well. Take what the defense gives you, and Cleveland wasn't going to get beat over the top, especially once they built the two touchdown lead, and they were they were just forcing Joe to check down to to everything underneath. Um, it was interesting that they took that deep shot on first down on the first play of the game and almost hit it. It actually was ruled a catch, and then but he threw him out of bounds. Replay, but he did. He 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 led AJ, AJ out of bounds on that, and maybe say, okay, first play, he's got to warm up a little bit. But they never went back to that, and it, it wasn't it wasn't like they were behind two scores right from the jump. Um, so that that was a little concerning that they they never took another shot. But they have to, even if you don't hit them, it, it loosens up the defense. And the other issue there is. They, they haven't got the run game going and that that's going to give you deep shots as well because you can start the, this team likes to use play action a lot and play action is completely ineffective if, if you're not running the ball which they haven't been so there's a lot of factors that go into that 5.25 number but but whatever whatever they are they have to figure out a way to fix because you're right you're not you're not gonna live and succeed in this league dinking and dunking the one thing I noticed uh, in in kind of going through why that maybe there isn't enough explosion in some of the shots they did take, the 12 shots they have taken that haven't hit. And that's not the end of the world. Like those stats can turn around quickly. You know, Patrick Mahomes is one for five throwing the ball 20 plus yards in the air. I mean, knowing Patrick Mahomes, you would think, yeah, I mean, he's just he had the one the most insane throw i think of this whole year to Tyree Kill on their touchdown but that's the one but outside of that i mean it, it it's you can have these things can come in spurts you can and there's obviously a few that he will consistently hit in his career that they haven't and there's the chemistry thing that we've talked a lot about with AJ Green that has been missing when you go back and look at those specifically he's overthrowing him consistently he's overthrowing AJ Green 
And I don't know if that is thinking AJ will be faster or Burrow just not wanting to underthrow something and have it get picked. AJ not having that acceleration to go get it. Whatever it is, all these shots taken towards AJ have almost all been overthrown, and that's been a big chunk of the 12 and the lack of explosion out there. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see what that turns into with AJ Green. We went into this in the walkout. I, I'm not going to dive into it again, but there's obvious concern out there about what AJ Green looks like and what will he look like going forward. Will he? pick it up what's the reason that he's struggled what's the reason of 13 targets and only three uh completions on thursday is it because he's starting to look old or is it because he hasn't played in a year and a half coming off an injury looking for chemistry all those things we'll see how those play out the other thing is this and that is something that we talked a lot about with burrow coming here and that was his ability to create plays on the scramble drill and ability to do things flush, you know, sense the sense the rush, find his way out of the pocket and create on the run. He had many opportunities to do that. He was flushed 11 times and basically into a some version of the scramble drill 11 times, some more dangerous than others for him. Uh, but, you know, there were opportunities and I when you look you get the sense that they are they're trying to build that chemistry like that is something you just need game reps of like you can heart you just can't really practice that type of stuff where you know he hops over a, a a guy trying to sack him and all of a sudden he's open burrow is is off and he's got space on the left side and everybody's out there what happens instantly in that moment what is that chemistry in that moment well how many times can you really practice that how many times are they practicing that i don't know it's it's hard to find that true chemistry outside of game scenarios talked to t higgins about that a little bit yesterday and that's kind of what he said and i saw a couple spots where like you there was one in particular where burrow flushed out to the left and t higgins is out there and he ran his route and he turned looked at burrow burrow kind of popped out into space from from a rush there was a wide open space in the middle field higgins was just sort of lollygagging towards and all of a sudden, Burrow accelerates a little bit more towards the sideline, and then Higgins realized, oh, I should be running towards that, and it was too late. He missed it by about a second and a half. He, he couldn't get into the spot, and Burrow had to hold it. That's a big play. That would, could have been a 20, 30-yard gain that would have set up a touchdown. You know, things like that. Burrow had one where he flushed out, and Higgins was open across the back of the end zone, but Burrow couldn't quite get his eyes back around to see him, and he threw one towards A.J. Green at the back pylon, and both he and Higgins kind of ended up there. And it's one where... You got, you know, that is seeing Higgins there or Higgins seeing what Burrow's doing and them finding that connection when they're out there together. Those can cause explosive plays. And that's supposed to be a big thing about Joe Burrow bringing explosive plays. Well, I think you're seeing them trying to figure out that chemistry right now. Yeah, because that, that is a big thing. I remember uh, one of the, the connections in the past, Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd really had that where it, the, the whole thing, uh, when there's a scramble drill, everyone, the mindset is work your way back to the quarterback. Get back and make it easier for him to get rid of this ball and get a completion. And Andy and Tyler just had that that kind of nonverbal, just like I, they could say it with their eyes where, where Tyler would take off the other way and he would head down the field. And, and Andy hit Tyler Boyd a lot of times on, on deep throws. I remember that Carolina game. I think there was two of them that that went one for a touchdown. Um, 
it was like week three a couple years ago. Yep. That's that's one of the things where, like you said, just chemistry, just repetitions, things that they didn't get to practice in preseason games, things that they didn't get enough practice of in a truncated offseason. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't red flag it right away and, and say, oh, this we thought this was going to be better and it's not. I think it's just something that's going to take some time to develop. But when everything else is is going poorly, not everything, but when, when things are going poorly around you, then it, it just kind of shines a bigger spotlight on that. Um, but that, that I'm not I'm not that concerned about that. I, I think that will come. Um, the, the, the other thing with AJ is, you know, in the past, he was such a threat that they would play off of him a lot. And that he got a lot of catches that way where they would just do that real quick one step drop and fire it out to him in the flat and let him, you know, you make one guy miss and all of a sudden it's a, a 10, 11 yard gain. And we haven't seen a lot of that because I, I he, AJ's getting pressed a lot more. I don't think defenses are respecting him. He, him as a deep threat the way they used to, which he's, he hasn't done anything to prove otherwise. So that's another thing that, that I would look for them to try to get him more involved in some, some quick slants and, and those quick little bubble wide receiver screens. They've got to do something because uh, they, you know, they need to be more explosive and they, they can't be continuing to have these drives where, you know, you've got to have Burrow throwing it that many times or whatever to try to try to get down there. Part of part of it is, hey, maybe not playing from behind, but they did, you know, and it was a little bit better against the Chargers, even though they didn't move the ball as much as far in, in that second half where, you know, you, you saw them make plays, have opportunities. I can I can. You know, you can you can rationalize having opportunities and just missing on them. It's when you don't feel like the opportunities even look legit um, is 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 when you have the issue. So we'll see what happens in Philadelphia. This football is just different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. I mean, I'm excited. I sat and watched Red Zone on Sunday. And it was like one of the best experiences I've had. It's like, oh, did you hardly even for, remembered the world that's happening around us for one moment. There's football. There's red zone. Well, Pepsi is the f- refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of a league of football watchers. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. I'm going to compartmentalize uh, this Sunday and the following Sunday against Jacksonville. Um, because the Eagles game, maybe maybe there was a point where we all were chalking up the Eagles game, and I'd have to look at my preseason confidence picks. I'm pretty sure that uh, I had a lot of confidence the Bengals would go here and lose because I, I think there was a thought that the Eagles would be pretty good, and of this first four, they would this would be the hardest game. It's not the case. The Eagles have been bad. They're banged up. Carson Wentz looks broken right now, um, and DVOA has Eagles as the worst team in football through two weeks. Uh, Jacksonville's been better than we thought. Jacksonville beat the Colts. They're they're uh, you know a couple points away, three points away from being two and zero. Gardner Minshew and Jay Gruden might have a bromance going. Like there there's lots of good things happening in Jacksonville. Suddenly that game looks a little bit harder, but it's still the Jaguars. It's still at home, and you know there's really all excuses I think should be removed at this point. They Joe Burrow has played the equivalent of a full pre what a full preseason would have been for him, uh, if not more. Uh, and you had the, the mini buy here to kind of get things straight and situated, you know, and excuses are gone. It's time to go play and win some games. 
the they need to win one of these two games. And, and we need to stop talking about progress and and Burrow being looking good and and okay, but no, they need to win one of these two games because otherwise what happens? If you're 0-4 going to Baltimore, what is going to go on inside of that locker room? Okay? There is going to be a whole lot of not wanting to go through this again because you have a bunch of guys that just went through 2-14 and 14 and the professional nightmare that that was for, for a bunch of competitive dudes. And if you start 0-4, and you lose to a bad Eagles team and uh, you know, a whatever Jacksonville is, potentially lose to four teams that won't make the playoffs this year. And you're 0 and 4, there's gonna be a whole lot of guys saying, I, I can't do this again. I can't do this two and fourteen thing again. It's not who we're gonna be. And knowing it's different like last year when you start 0 and 4. When there's hope that we're going to turn it around, it, it'll turn around eventually. Well, this year you go through it and you know that it can go from 0-4 to 0-11 in a heartbeat and how ugly it can get. To me, more so than we thought this would be, and we tend to have a little bit of hyperbole when we spend a week building up games, I don't think it is here. I think this is going to be an absolutely critical crossroads for this team and for this franchise and for Zach Taylor. He needs to prove they can go start out, go out there and start winning some of these games and not have it turn into a locker room of people dreading that this could end up looking like last year and starting to think about the fact that they could be in, you know, one of the top five picks again. Yeah, it's not just the the here we go again aspect of it for the guys that were on this team last year. It's all these new guys, these new key pieces that have never gone through this before. That's this is going to be foreign to them. They're, that's another element to this we're not saying they're going to quit but that's they're going to be like, hey this is not what i signed up for what is what is going on here um i i agree i i, I think that this it's not enough to go to philadelphia and play well because that's that's just again what they've been going through what you wrote about all these close losses, you you just can't keep doing. They've got to get over the hump. They have to win one of these games that's a one possession game, and that to me that would almost be worse than getting blown out. To go there and have another close win, and then you're just that you've got everybody wondering: Are is, is Zach Taylor the right coach? Do, do we have what we need in place to get over the hump and win these close games? Because so many games in the NFL are close, and the the Jacksonville game looked maybe like the easiest of the first four when the the season came, when the schedule came out and if if they lose to Philadelphia and and Jacksonville very well could be two and one they're they're at home against Miami Thursday night um, that maybe that that could be the toughest game you know fighting your own fighting within to to overcome that zero and three because you're right going to going to Baltimore zero and four the the season could go south in a hurry. Last year they were 0 and 5 and they went to Baltimore and they played really well. They gave Baltimore one of the toughest games they had all year. It was a 23 to 17 game. That was a game that Brandon Wilson returned the the opening kickoff for a touchdown. It was it was one of the better games that the Bengals played all year. Uh that I would be s- stunned if they go if they go 0 and 4 and go to Baltimore and we're able to do that again. 
No, yeah, that would be that would be an uphill battle. There, there's no doubt. But it's just, you know, I just think at some point this team need, it, it can't be about any of the other stuff. And 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 I don't know why it would be like this. All those all those things are gone. I mean, I don't. I just I'm done hearing about questions about the preseason not having happened. It's over. Everybody played no preseason. Everybody's in the same situation. There's no advantage or disadvantage or excuse to be made there. There's no offseason. Yeah, okay, you had a rookie quarterback. Guess what? On the list of problems, rookie quarterback ain't even on it. Okay? So let's not use that, the fact that they've had this rookie quarterback. I mean, he's that has proven to not be the issue. The issue has been this defense being unable to stop anybody when they line up to kill them and them not being able to find uh, any explosion partially because of an offensive line that hasn't protected super well. And those have nothing to do with the rookie quarterback. Those are pieces of that were supposed to be uh, fixed, or at least they had an offseason to think about how they were going to fix this. They fixed the personnel. It was Last year it was uh, getting to know these players. Now we know these players. Get the right players. Spend money in free agency. Get in here and get everybody in together. Continuity in the system. Offense, defense, special teams coordinator, all back. Everybody's going to be better in the second year, and they improved last year in progress. Well, that needs to equal wins. And they need to equal wins against in winnable games. And these first four games have all been on this are on the schedule as winnable games. I'm not going to hate on you if you go to Baltimore and lose because Lamar Jackson turns it up on you. It's going to happen to a lot of people. I am if you go 0 and 4 against four teams that had major holes. And at some point you've got to win. And I think this is going to be way more important that they find a way to win one of these two games than people maybe realize. Because things can turn inside locker rooms in a hurry when you're now two and eighteen, as you know, in your in the time with the new coach here, and you got to keep people on board. And the only way to do that, the only way to do that, is win a game by any means necessary. Only way, and they've got to find some way to do that. It's it, it's critical. This isn't this isn't some throwaway game in Philadelphia and against Jacksonville. In the middle of a lost cost season, this is this is a this is a big critical crossroads for this team and franchise to show that they are they are at least partially on the right track and keep everyone on the track with them. This is this is a game where maybe a road game where maybe not having fans will hurt them instead of benefit them because yeah. if, if, no fan base can turn on their team quite like an Eagles fan base. And there you're already seeing it. They, they've already got buyer's remorse with Carson Wentz and um, maybe going there and, and jumping on the Eagles early would lead to some booing and actually turn that into a, a Bengals advantage. Uh, you mentioned the, you're tired of talking about the lack of preseason. I thought, I thought Carl Lawson was great yesterday where um, he was asked about if the, the team's trouble uh, stopping the run was due to no preseason, no tackling. And he shut that down immediately. And he said, no. So it's not like everybody else had a preseason and we didn't. Nobody had a preseason. There's, there's, that is no excuse at all. And I did think that was, that was good to hear. Um, that, that, that as bad as they've been, that he, they're not, they're not leaning on that as an excuse. They know they've got to get better. That's, that's another, we've, focused a lot on offense here but that that's that is another huge issue right now is is getting that getting the run game on defense figured out because that's that was one of the the biggest problems these last few years and it for it to still be here um it you're right that's if if you look at the list of problems that's way up there above rookie quarterback okay which brings us to a good opportunity to bring in our run passer boot from a follower that was it's from Tim who is at Warren 44 he says run passer boot 
If you could snap your fingers and fix one thing this week, which would it be? Offensive line, run defense, or pass rush? Which would it be? Jay, I'll let I'll let you kick it off. That's a really good one. I'm 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 gonna boot right off the bat pass rush because I think it I think it's gonna fix itself on its own. It's it's not gonna take me snapping my fingers or a magic genie, anything like that. And I think they can win this game even without a huge pass rush. Um, I'm going to say run defense. I think that's where everything starts. If, if if you can play better against the run, your pass rush is automatically going to get better because they're going to, the, the other team's going to be dropping back to pass a whole lot more. So yeah, I'll, I'll run with, with pass defense or with run defense and I'll pass on offensive line as big as a problem as it is. Like you mentioned, it's they're 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 not making changes at four of those five spots. It's that it's that one spot. Bobby Hart did show some improvement at right tackle. It, it's just not as big of a deal, I don't think, right now at this point as, as the run defense. So I'll, I'll pass on I'll pass on offensive line, and again. I'm going to boot pass rush. I, I think that's going to be fine. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on booting pass rush, and it is a decision between which one you. I mean, I I think I think run. I'm with you that I I think run defense will would be more important to set up. You know yourself because it, it sets yourself up to not have to play from behind offensively, not have to throw a million times, and it sets yourself up to improve. I think run defense has a ripple effect on the other two, right? I mean, we're t- to not have to worry as much about your offensive line um, and to not have to worry as much about your pass rush if you just put yourself in more third and long situations, more opportunities to get after the passer, more opportunities where is a lower percentage chance for them to convert and have drives and, and get up. So to me, I think that's where it starts because it's the more demoralizing after what happened at the end of the Cleveland game it was the it was the defining demoralizing moment was that last drive when they just shoved it down their throats and said you can't stop it and they couldn't and they need to find a way to do that they need to find a way to do that in a hurry or else every team is going to take that take that uh model and, and try to continue to do it until you prove that you can stop it and that's an issue um all right you have you have a run passer boot too don't you jay yeah i do um pine kind of piggybacking on this whole thing that, that you wrote about with all the the games that one possession games that they're losing um zach taylor two and 16 to begin his career both wins were big wins um double digit wins against the jets and browns so when will zach taylor and the bengals get their first one possession win eight points or less when will they win their first game by eight points or less will it be in September, which one shot at that with Philadelphia, will it be in October or will it be November or later? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to boot. Oh, man, this reminds me of last year. We had one of these about when would they get their first win earlier the season? And we ended up looking silly on that because it went just <laughs> like this where I'm going to say I boot November or later. And I but I will. I will boot November or later. It's it to me. It's a matter of if it happens on Sunday here against the Eagles. I think it's obviously a winnable game there. 
um, when you consider. But I, you know, they're all they've all been winnable games. Maybe I'm maybe I'm the fool. Um, you know, just by the odds, so I can have more opportunities. I'll I'll run with October, and I'll pass September, and I'll boot November or later. Just just on a numbers thing of it. Obviously, there's a chance it could happen Sunday, but I I, I need multiple cracks, multiple cracks at it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I I think there's a chance that they win this game um, against the Eagles on Sunday, but it is. It's it's one shot. Um, September October, there, you got four games, and th- three of them. I think they have a chance to win. I'm not I'm not I'm not giving them a <laughs> it's chance. So sad. It's so <laughs> sad. We're at. I think some of them they have a chance. Well, three out of four. I just Baltimore. <laughs> I just don't see yeah, that right happening, enough. but. Jacksonville at home at Indy and then home against Cleveland. Um, those, I think that's where it's one of those games where it's going to come, may, probably the Jacksonville game. Um, I just, I can't see, first of all, if they win a game, it's probably going to be Y1 score. I don't see them blowing any, anybody out by double digits. And so I, likewise, I don't see them going into the bye in week nine, 0 and 8. So that that automatically just kind of throws November out that as my boot, and then like you said, just the the law of averages, the the law of opportunity with just one game in September, I'll run with October, pass on September, and boot November. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that. One more thing, I want to get out of here soon, uh, here, but one more thing I do want to make sure we get to, and that is you had the story uh, with Auden Tate's agent. Um, we can kind of talk about the receiver room and sort of the changes that are happening there real quick. Um, you know, what was your takeaway from the uh, mouthing off, I'll call it, uh, of Auden Tate's agent about his healthy scratch on Thursday? Uh, just an agent venting. Um, his agent, Derek Jackson, made it clear that that Auden did not ask for this or request this or nudge him in any way to speak out that this was this was all – Derek, he was he was watching the game. They knew the night before the game, Zach Taylor had told Dante he was probably going to be inactive. So this wasn't like a surprise on Thursday. But you know his his agent sitting there watching the game, and he's he's watching AJ Green not play well, and he's watching John Ross be invisible. And you you can just imagine his frustration of you know this this guy. It, it, it almost it's not. This feels like more of a a father son, a friendship kind of agent player relationship more than a business relationship. The way that Derek talks about Auden Tate, and I, I think he just he's just looking out for his guy and saying he's he can help this team. He may yeah, he's not the best receiver on the team, but he's in the top six and he should be active. Um, I don't think he did Auden any favors by by speaking out, but I, I also don't think Zach Taylor is going to hold it against Auden because of what his agent said. I, I think and, and the agent was clear that Derek was clear that, that Auden loves Zach Taylor and he loves Cincinnati and he loves being here. And he kind of shot down. There was an early report about, you know, possibly wanting a trade. And he said that he hasn't talked to any other teams. He, that's not what he's, that's not what he's trying to get here. He's just trying to figure out, what it is. Where's the disconnect? Auden has worked hard. He had a terrific camp. He's come a long way since his rookie year. He can play special teams if they're going to use that as, as, you know, one of the reasons that they did make him inactive. And he was just trying to get some, 
clarification on on why Auden was not active for that Cleveland game. Yeah, I mean, I think Auden Tate needs to be active. I I I agree with him. I don't mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with his premise. Um, I think he should be active. You know, I, I mean, John Ross p- might be the one to be inactive next. Um, he doesn't give you anything on special teams. He definitely doesn't give you anything on special teams, and he hasn't given you anything as a receiver yet, except for you know what a couple of high profile drops. Um, and a false start and, you know, a few plays here and there. But, you know, he was displaced by T. Higgins. They've clearly moved to Higgins as as the third guy, as A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins are your starting receivers at this point. I mean, that's what all the snaps went. I anticipate that's where all the snaps are going to go this week. It's a matter of what's it. I mean, I'd make an argument for Mike Thomas as the third guy at this point. I think Mike Thomas has looked very good. He's 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 been the best route runner and most consistent guy out there. He actually had a play where Burrow didn't see him. He ran a post and blew by the guy and it was open and Burrow never threw it, but it was a, it was a hell of a route. He got behind him by a, by a long way. Um, but that I, I, I be, I think you're fine with more Mike Thomas and then I, and then Auden Tate and then the rest of it, you know, if injuries come up, you can worry about the other guys. But to me, um, you know, I, I, th- I think that he can bring you value and maybe there was some matchup they didn't like or whatever, but you know, if you're looking to throw the ball down the field a little bit, I saw on uh, Tate catch a bunch of balls down the field last year. I did. He's, he can go get it. So maybe, maybe try giving that a chance if, if you got nothing else going for you. But yeah, this, I mean, this whole thing with Auden goes back to the opener, even that final drive when they're, down in the red zone trying to win the game it's it's Alex Erickson in the game instead of Auden Tate if there was a if there was a spot where you would think was tailor-made for Auden Tate it's red zone with the game on the line where a guy you can throw it up to and he can outleap anybody and and just that alone was curious why he wasn't in the game and Erickson was and then it just com- the issue compounded with with Thursday night and him being inactive yeah and you know the you're going to drop in the old, uh, he doesn't want to be a disruption. Well, there's an easy way for him to not be a disruption. That's to not go to the media with this, and that's fine. Uh, thank you, I guess. Uh, but, you know, that probably should stay in-house. But, hey, you can do what you want. I mean, that's the, whatever you feel like can help your cause and your guy. And, you know, I think there's probably a lot of guys that are frustrated right now. And, uh, you know, when you when you get – you get you get agents start popping off in public and start wondering things. You wonder what's being said under the radar, right? Like what what else is going on there? If you've got agents that are starting to you know if smoke, there's fire, right? I mean, how much fire is there under some of the smoke that you start to see pop up when things like this happen? Maybe none, maybe some. I don't know, but I do. It is sort of a, uh, of note. I would say when stuff like this starts happening two games in and we hear after the game, we, you know, we got Von Bell and uh, Josh Bynes and they were talking about people being mad and furious was word uses a word and like, you know, and they expect them all to be mad like they are. And it's like, you know, there, there may be a lot of things happening inside of that locker room that we're not allowed into anymore. Um, but that's all speculation at this point, which is kind of where I go to with the crossroads. Like you're already starting to see some of the smoke. Uh, you wonder how much fire will ignite if they lose a couple more games. Hey, but we've got that happy topic to get more into on Thursday, Jay. 
<laughs> uh, you ha- have a conversation with our Philly writer who's outstanding, Zach Berman, right? Um, yes. Talking so to him later today. Yeah. So we will have that more on insight on what is going wrong in Philadelphia, who's owing to, and playing poorly they, they they pipe booze into the into the game of Carson Wentz I heard that that's uh so if it happens anywhere it will be in Philadelphia yeah yeah virtual booze I love it so yeah there's a lot of mess going on there we'll get it in a lot they may have they actually I can say pretty confident they have a worse offensive line than the Bengals um and that's a big part of their issue so maybe if there's some hope for Bengals fans it's that they could see somebody who has a worse problem up front um so we'll get more into into that game on Thursday on the Growler. So make sure you come back for that. And again, thanks to everybody for listening. If you're a subscriber, thank you. We love having all of you around. If you're not, hey, come on in. It's only one dollar per month going deal going right now. One dollar per month. Just go in theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling and uh, go and click the link and subscribe and come in and enjoy. We hope uh, you would love it. And if you don't want to, there's free trial, seven day free trial still going on. If you want to just take a spin and see what you think, you can do that as well. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening and uh, we will talk to you on the growler. This has been here that podcast growling. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.